Welcome to the Eye on the Cure podcast, the podcast about winning the fight against retinal disease from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eye on the Cure podcast. I am Ben Shaberman, Senior Director of Scientific Outreach at the Foundation Fighting Blindness, and very happy you could join us. And I'm very excited to have with us today Dr. Naveed Shams. He is the Chief Scientific Officer at the company Procure in the Netherlands, and Procure has currently three clinical trials underway for emerging therapies in the retinal disease space, and he'll be talking about those in a moment. Uh, but to get us started, welcome Dr. Uh, Shams. Glad you could join us. And can you tell us a little bit about your role at Procure? Oh, thank you, Ben. Um, appreciate uh, the invitation, and I'm I'm delighted to to be part of this conversation today. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the chief science officer uh, for ProQR. Uh, I joined uh, ProQR uh, about a year ago um, as uh, to help uh, lead uh, the early development uh, of uh, our products. And by early development, uh, what I mean is that we, my group establishes the proof of concept, the proof of principle in man before we spend the big bucks and uh, do a confirmatory study, which in our jargon means uh, a product uh, registration study. Uh, I also, and my group, is responsible for uh, the early non-clinical or lab-based uh, testing of compounds and translating it into the uh, early uh, studies uh, in men. So basically, at the end of the day, I have to, or my teams have to, establish the proof of concept for for a disease or for a product. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. That's obviously very important work. So now Procure, Procure is in the business of developing what we call RNA therapies. And in, our, in the cells in our bodies, we have DNA, but we also have RNA. And I was wondering if you can help our listeners understand what RNA messages are and contrast that to DNA. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, uh, the DNA, most people are familiar with it, uh, both in the common jargon and common lingo as we speak. It's in your DNA, for example. And basically what that means is that we, everybody, uh, all living cells, have a code by which the cell or the basic unit of life uh, is engineered. So the DNA carries the blueprint of what a cell or the lowest common uh, denominator in that case is going to turn out to be. For the DNA to actually do that, what it needs to do or it needs to accomplish is produce protein. So at the end of the day, whatever code we have is going to produce 
proteins. And proteins are the building blocks of life, and they are the ones that conduct the daily activities that help us survive and fight disease and grow and, and things like that. However, DNA cannot simply be translated into these proteins, and there is a step in between, which is called uh, ARNA. So the DNA is translated into a message. That message is called RNA. And in other words, most commonly referred to as messenger RNA. Uh, you might have heard of it these days with these uh, vaccines that have been for, for COVID that have been uh, sort of injected into millions of people. So we at ProQR are interested in RNA and how we can leverage RNA or this message to fix disease or to address the biology of disease. Uh, so the difference between DNA is that DNA in general has, uh, it's made up of a, a sugar, which is called deoxyribose, whereas an RNA uh, has a similar sugar, but it's called ribose. It also is, has what we call bases that can, can confer the message to it or the code from the DNA and also the RNA. There are four bases in RNA, and they are different than, um, two of them are different, actually, than DNA. So DNA has four bases called thymine, adenine, cytosine, and guanine. Now in the RNA, we have adenine and guanine, but instead of uh, sorry, thymine, we have uracil. And that's a key difference between chemistry of RNA and the chemistry of DNA. The location is also different. DNA is in what we call uh, in the nucleus, and a little bit of the DNA can also be found in what we call mitochondria. But RNA is located in the cytoplasm, which is outside uh, the nucleus. Also, the function, as I mentioned, is a little different, is RNA is used to transfer the genetic code or translate the genetic code to make proteins. That's the middle step, and that's how it differs from DNA. Usually, RNA is also very unstable in a single uh, sort of nucleotide. But that, those are the sense, some differences between DNA and RNA. Great. That, that's a, a really great explanation and thorough so basically, DNA is the code, at least this is the way I explain it. DNA is the code, and RNA are the messages that are derived from that code. And it's RNA that the cell reads to create the proteins that are so important for cell That health. is correct. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. So I think many of our listeners are going to be familiar with gene therapies, which are focused on replacing, in most cases, or many cases, DNA. But with RNA therapies, the ones that Procure is developing, the approach is a little different. And can you talk about how these RNA therapies work? Yes, indeed. Uh, so as you can imagine now, you have a code in the DNA. If you know that there is a defect in the code, and that is generating a defective protein, 
then it also must generate a defective RNA for it to be translated into the defective protein. So you have two ways of handling this situation. One is, of course, as you mentioned, you can go and remove a piece of the DNA that is defective with techniques like uh, that are growing by on a logarithmic scale that appears these days. You can do that. Or you can wait for the next step, which is the message that the cell has produced, which will also be defective. And we can do the same thing. We can edit the RNA and fix the message. Technically, there are two different sort of uh, hurdles. And the fixing the DNA, if for lack of a better word, has more is more complicated and could have long-lasting impact. Um, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, it would not be good. Whereas the message can be manipulated easy, much more conveniently, and it doesn't touch the code that is built in to everybody's DNA. And so we have a little bit of more uh, safely fixing the protein for, you know, as compared to fixing the DNA. And yeah. so pretty much what you can do with DNA, we can do with RNA. And the goal is the same, which is to produce a good protein at the end of the day. Right, right. Thanks for that explanation. And just to clarify our understanding, with gene therapies or DNA therapies, those are usually one-time treatments. And if they work, great. <laughs> if they don't, then that could be uh, not such a, a great thing. But with RNA therapy, those are applied, I think in your clinical trials, they're applied about every six months or so, if I recall. Yeah. And if it's not working or it's causing problems, then you just, you, you don't retreat the patient. Um, so that... Uh, I, that is correct. Yes. That, that, that is a distinct advantage. Right. Right. That is a distinct advantage of, of the RNA-based therapies. Yes. Right. Uh, at least the way we are deploying them uh, at ProQR. Yes. Right. So you have, as I said at the beginning of our podcast, you have three trials underway, which is very impressive. One for a pretty common mutation in the gene CEP290, which when mutate, that mutation uh, causes LCA. Uh, mutations in the exon 13 region of the USH2A gene, and that can cause... Um, either Usher syndrome type 2A or non-syndromic RP. And then you're addressing a pretty common mutation called P23H in the rhodopsin gene that uh, leads to retinitis pigmentosa. So again, it's wonderful that there are three trials underway. And can you just give us a quick review of the progress in those three trials? Yes, indeed, yes. So um, our most advanced program is uh, in the condition called Lieber's congenital amaurosis, or LCA, as you said. That program has several studies currently underway. The main study, which will become the basis for approval of the product, uh, is running very well. It, uh, it is fully enrolled, and we are expecting uh, data, this is uh, public information, sometimes early next year. And that would uh, then, uh, based on that data, we would make an application for approval of the drug in, in the U.S., in Europe, and elsewhere. Um, so that program is on track, 
and we are very, very excited about it. It would be our first product. And based on phase two data that we have, uh, we, we saw a year or maybe a little bit uh, earlier than a year ago, uh, gives us confidence that, uh, that we will see uh, efficacy uh, with this product. Right. In the, uh, the second- in, in the phase two, you had some pretty significant vision improvements for the recipients, yes. if I recall. Right. Yes, and that, that's why we, we feel that there is a good chance that this uh, pivotal study is going to show good outcomes. Right. The uh, second trial you mentioned is in the Usher's disease or Usher syndrome, specifically what's called type 2 Usher's uh, syndrome. And uh, in these patients, you can have hearing defect as well as a vision problem, and we are trying to deal with the vision problem. That program... We uh, released quite a bit of information just a few months ago and again saw some very good signals that encouraged us to plan for two phase three trials. We are committed to actually launching these two studies, um, one focusing on vision or what we call corrected vision as an endpoint, and the other one focusing on visual fields which is such an important part of the disease in in, uh, in ushers, which is the visual field. So we are planning, uh, we are committed to starting those trials by the end of this year, December of 2021. And they are going to last a couple of years uh, because uh, of the nature of the diseases that it moves a lot slowly than the LCA10 um, disease. And so uh, we are also excited about starting these two new programs. Uh, it will keep us busy for, for quite a while, and we hope that we will have another uh, messenger RNA-based, oligonucleotide-based therapy for uh, a very, very important disease where the need is, is huge, um, as with all the other rare diseases. So that's the status of USH uh, or Usher syndrome uh, uh, product for, for ProQR. The third one, as you mentioned, is autosomal dominant retinitis pigmentosa. And it, just a minor sort of correction, this disease uh, is mainly uh, sort of expressed or present in the U.S. It's not as common as Usher's uh, or Usher syndrome, uh, and therefore there are challenges of its own in this population. It is also you're looking for a very unique mutation called P23H. There are other mutations, as you know, that may exist outside the U.S., but this mutation is prevalent in the U.S. We are in. We have a phase one study that is currently running uh, with about 11 patients in the study, and we are testing different doses, um, starting with 75 micrograms or going all the way to 600 micrograms. It is an intravitreal injection, like the rest of it. You are putting the drug where the disease is. And uh, based on the outcome of this trial, we really want to make sure it is safe because it's the first time we are putting this uh, this sequence of, olig- uh, of oligonucleotides in the eye, that it is safe. And then we, uh, we will look at the data and then decide what next study would look like. It's going well. It's fully recruited. Um, it's a 12-month study, so not all patients have completed the uh, the trial. 
uh, some have and some haven't. So we are waiting for that and hopefully we'll be able to make some decisions. Hopefully it will be as good or going in the same direction as our other two programs. I will also mention that there is uh, one more program that we have initiated. It's in the front of the eye, actually, and uh, which is different than everything else. But sure. this is a disclosed this is a disclosed program using the same approach, which is oligonucleotides and RNA. And this is uh, a disease called Fuchs corneal dystrophy. And uh, we have just started this study, the first study in man, trying to confirm. Uh, what we call the molecular mechanism uh, of the disease, trying to make sure that our drug is going to be engaging the right right receptor. Uh, so that's a little bit different, um, I must say, uh, but it's also a very exciting program for us. It sort of diversifies the use of our product and our platform. So we'll see how that plays out, but it's too early to say anything about it. But these three other programs are running quite well. That's that's great. A lot of promising activity at Procure. And just to summarize, so both the LCA, the CEP290, and the USH2A therapies are in, or, well, the, the USH2A therapy is moving toward phase 2-3. The LCA trial is in phase 2-3. And those would be hopefully the last phases, and if they're successful, you would... Um, hopefully be able to seek regulatory approval. And I wanted to note that the Foundation Fighting Blindness is investing uh, 7 million euros in the USH2A project through our uh, RD fund, our Venture Philanthropy Fund. So we're very excited about the, the promising early results from there. And if people want to learn more about these therapies, if you visit fightingblindness.org, there are articles on all three therapies. And if you're interested in the trials, you can also go to clinicaltrials.gov and learn more about these trials, uh, the inclusion and exclusion criteria, the sites, because they're ongoing in the U.S. and um, potentially in Europe. So uh, check out clinicaltrials.gov. If you're interested, I just had one yeah. last question uh, to help our listeners understand a little more about RNA therapies. So my understanding is that an RNA therapy, what you're injecting into the eye, are these tiny pieces of genetic material. And can you tell us how that yeah. genetic material works to address the mutation in the RNA? Definitely. Before I answer that question, can sure. I take a, just a second to actually thank um, Foundation Finding Blindness for their very generous support of the ASHD program. We could not have been at this point without your support, I guarantee. So we've had a very good relationship and a partnership, and we hope we are going to be successful. So thanks to all the patrons of Foundation Finding Blindness and the team at Foundation Finding Blindness. It's been a tremendous uh, impact on our program. So, yep, if it works, it'll be because you guys helped us out. Well, thank you. Uh, so many, many thanks for that. Uh, yes. So there are. Uh, I think there's a. There is one uh, maybe clarification required. There are many kinds of RNA. There are many structural differences between these RNA, which means the way this R these RNAs are made uh, is very different. What you can actually 
have what, what's called a messenger RNA, which is a synthetic piece of RNA that carries a message that can then be translated. And that's what people use to treat COVID or that's the vaccination for COVID. In our case, we are trying to fix a problem in the RNA itself. That's how different these two things are. And so therefore, we sequence the RNA or we find out where the problem is. And then we design an approach to fix uh, that piece of the RNA. And so there are several things that we can do. For example, we can stitch over the pieces of DNA, of RNA, like these nucleotides. We call that, we can call that splicing, you know? So if, if you find two ends of a bad zone, you can skip the bad zone and splice the good area so that now you can produce a good protein, albeit it may be a slightly shorter protein, but it will be functional. So that's one way we, we do things. That's the approach we are taking uh, with, with one of our products in, uh, in this case, uh, uh, let's say the ASH2 program, the, the ASH gene uh, on chromosome 13. So that, that, that's one approach. The other approach is you can simply synthesize a complementary piece which then binds to the bad portion of the RNA that may not be functioning and just inactivates it so that you don't have to make a bad protein which may be causing problems, especially in a what's called a recessive disease where you can remove part of it and then the other good protein that is being made by the other gene as you know, we all have two copies. And so we can change the balance between the good and the bad. So that's another way of handling it. So I just described to you three different ways of how RNA can be used or synthetic RNA can be used. And you're absolutely right. These are small pieces of these nucleotides, uh, guanine, cytosine, uracil. We are focused on fixing the problem rather than using a normal RNA to generate a protein like people interested in vaccinations do. Got it. Thank you for that very uh, thorough, in-depth explanation. We appreciate that. So, Dr. Shams, thanks for all the time you've given us today to talk about RNA, RNA therapies, and the great work of Procure, your three clinical trials in the retinal disease space. We, we greatly appreciate your time and the work you're driving for our patients. And I want to remind our listeners, if you have questions, you can send an email to podcast at fightingblindness.org. Any last comments or observations, Dr. Shams? I would just say... You know, the famous uh, quote from somebody that keep hope alive. We are working very, very hard in partnership with people at just, just, just like at Foundation Fighting Blindness to find treatments and cures for these devastating diseases. We are committed to doing something about it. Unfortunately, biology is tough and it takes a little bit of time to, to get from here to there. But I am very confident you know, with all of the progress we have made in the gene therapy space and the cell therapy space and the RNA DNA space, technologies are getting there. That we are going to get there sooner rather than later. So your help, um, uh, everybody's help is is much appreciated, and your patience is also much appreciated. Um, I wish we could do this faster, but it takes time. So I, I'd say keep hope alive. We'll get there. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Shams. Yeah, science, good science takes a while. It's not a, a quick and easy thing. But thanks to your trials and these early encouraging re results, you are definitely keeping hope alive. So thanks, listeners, for joining us for this episode. And please tune in again for our next episode. And uh, have a great couple of weeks until we join together again. Thanks again, Dr. Shams. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to FFP. This has been Eye on the Cure. To help us win the fight, please donate at foundationfightingblindness.org.